0: You're listening to the UBC Medicine Learning Network. This podcast was recorded on the traditional, ancestral, and stolen lands of the Musqueam people. We are committed to ensuring Indigenous women's rights to health and safety, and the equal opportunity to participate in a manner that recognizes and respects Indigenous cultures and traditions.
1: Hello, and welcome to Women's Health Interrupted. I'm Sarah Williscraft.
0: And I'm Chevy Mehra.
1: Today we are going to be discussing some of the knowledge gaps and social determinants in regards to women's cardiovascular health. Our guest today is Dr. Naja Adrick. Dr. Adrick is a board member for the Canadian Cardiovascular Society. She is the trainee representative at the Canadian Women's Heart Health Centre and works with the BC Children's Hospital in Pediatric Cardiology. Dr. Adrick is also a TEDx speaker, raising awareness for the importance of women's heart health. So to start out with our questions here, Dr. Adrick, according to your TEDx talk, there are significant knowledge gaps in women's cardiovascular health. Could you please explain a few of the main reasons why?
2: There are many reasons why there is significant knowledge gap in women's heart health. One of the core factors that most of the strategy that we use to identify and treat heart disease have been based on research data that done by men, on men, for men, who are primarily middle-aged white male research subjects. Despite the fact that females make up just over the half of the population, two-thirds of heart disease clinical research focus in men. Uh, this is an important point because clinical guidelines are based on research evidence. Therefore, medical decisions for women are being made on research evidence about how heart disease manifests and treats in men. So, you may wonder why women are not included in research. So, first of all, for safety concern, women between the onset of menstruation and menopause could potentially be a pregnant and were excluded to prevent harm to the fetus. The second reason, one of the basic foundation in doing scientific research is to try to eliminate the confounder as much as you can to make your data more accurate. For that, researchers avoid using female even in basic research, so they avoid to use female animals as the hormone fluctuation could confound the result. Last but not least, Women are less likely to participate in research. It has been reported that more difficult to find women willing to volunteer for research study. Uh, One part due to significant roles and responsibility that women have in other factors of their lives. And this is a problematic because we need females to participate in research study to have more insight into how heart disease manifested differently in women. So this is all leads to women have been left behind because they're under-researched, under-studied, under-diagnosed, under-treated, and under-supporting during their recovery.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Audric, for sharing that. Um, You were talking about, you know, the lack of research in regards to women's cardiovascular health. Um, I think something our listeners would be curious to know about is, what would you say are some of the differences between male and female heart?
2: Absolutely. Um, So... A human's heart are not all the same. The male and female heart may look similar from outside, but in fact, they are different. And here, I'm not talking here about romance. Women's hearts uh, are smaller. They're about two thirds of the size of men's heart. Women's heart tend to beat faster. And the woman's coronary artery, which is the blood supply that feed the heart, are also smaller. Importantly, there are difference in the way how the plague built up in the blood fizzle causing coronary heart disease. For example, female fatty plaque erupts, while the male one explodes, making it significant clot that causes typical Hollywood type of male heart attack with crushing chest pain, significant AKG changes, and elevated cardiac enzyme. So we as a doctor, we can see that. We taught how to recognize it, and we know how to treat it. While the the plague in females may give subtle symptoms, or let's say symptom that historically we don't learn to recognize, and they don't make significant EKG trends that we know for heart attack, so we send this woman home with a wrong diagnosis like panic attack or indigestion. As a result, women are seven times more likely to be sent home from ER while having a heart attack. As you heard from my TED talk, the early signs of heart attack are missed in 78% of women, especially if they are young or c- comes with less common symptom. And also, the way how the fatty plaque distribute in women is different in men. In women, we love to keep things tight and clean, so the plaque goes to small arteries and washes away smoothly. While in men, they usually deposit focally, so we can see them. When we do a regular angiogram. Lastly, women's hearts are affected by hormonal changes as those experienced during pregnancy and menopause, which adding additional risk factor for heart disease in women. Also, the causes of heart disease can be different for women compared to men. There are some diseases are more common in women like uh, men, such as coronary artery disease, but there are many that are that either more happen more often in women, like scad which is a tear in the heart blood vessel, or microvascular dysfunction, which is the lining of the small blood vessel of the heart cannot be expanded normally. Or there's particular uh, condition that only unique, uniquely happens to women, like prepartum cardiomyopathy, which is when the heart gets weakened in the final months of pregnancy or shortly after the baby is delivered. Also, women are at a greater risk for heart disease more than men. So in addition to the traditional uh, heart risk factor that women share with the man, like diabetes, there is a unique risk factor like certain pregnancy complication, like premature birth, diabetes, or hypertension during the pregnancy, and early menopause. To add to this, even the, the traditional risk factor like diabetes, their impact is much higher in women women living with diabetes are more, a three times more likely to die from heart disease compared to men. So we talk about the symptom, risk factor, causes. Let's talk now about diagnosis and treatment. Diagnosis starts by women recognizing their symptom that comes from their heart, which usually not happen as they are not aware or they put their family and other commitment first so they delay seeking help. And women are also report delays in seeking help due to fear, embarrassment, living alone or they don't want to bother anyone. And they may interrupt their sign as something else non-urgent or just temporary. Then, when woman comes to the ER, although we're doing better now, still physicians may look for other causes for a woman's symptom without first doing appropriate tests to rule out cardiac issues especially if they are young, or they don't have the typical sign of heart disease. So as a physician, we misdiagnose 50% of heart attack. And even if we do the, the traditional test for women for, to diagnose their heart attack, those tests are work differently in women, and they could give us false results and delay access to healthcare for women. For example, the exercise stress test for cardiac output is far less sensitive for women compared to men,
0: and even worse for younger women compared, compared to older women. Thank you so much, Dr. Adric, for sharing the differences between the male and female hearts. In talking about or keeping the, these differences front and center, why do you think it's important uh, to document the various health factors like the risks of heart disease or symptoms of a heart attack? As I mentioned before, Shafi, those differences make women's risk factor, symptom,
2: and their heart attack unique, which requires an equally unique diagnostic antibiotic approach. However, we investigate them and we treat women using the same guideline as we do for men. So in terms of symptom, the most common symptoms that women comes with are chest pain, pain in the jaw, neck, or back, abnormal excessive sweating, shortness of breath, stomach pain, or indigestion. However, women are also more likely to experience additional symptoms, such as unusual weakness or fatigue, back, shoulder, or right arm pain, sleep disturbance, dizziness, or fast or irregular heartbeats. And this may happen with or without chest pain. Even with women complaining of chest pain, they might describe it differently, like feeling an ace or pressure, and this makes it hard to be taken seriously in busy and acute emergency setting. Moreover, the symptom can also mimic everyday problems, and they often go unrecognized by women themselves or their hair care provider. For that, their heart attack can be easily misdiagnosed. So today, as a physician, we are more aware of these differences. However, still women, particularly younger women, may have their symptom or sign attributed to anxiety, heart pain, or other female issue, and they're less likely to get immediate treatment, which have catastrophic effects, as delayed treatment leads to worse outcome and adverse effects.
1: You mentioned earlier a little bit of in differences between the male and female heart, some of the hormonal changes that occur throughout a woman's life. How can hormonal changes affect their heart health long term? So Sarah, heart disease affect women of all
2: ages and they have different risk factors across the lifespan. It's important to know that we know and understand our risk factor as this hormonal change can start as early as menstruation period and extend to the menopause. Pregnancy, for example, is like nine months long heart stress test. And if women deliver preterm, meaning before the 37 weeks, or had high blood pressure or diabetes during pregnancy, it could mean a high risk for them. As pregnancy complication could increase the risk of future heart disease. In the other hand, menopause, especially early menopause, is linked to 50% increased risk of heart disease. And after menopause, cholesterol level usually gets worse. So at any age, it's important to take care of our heart health and recognize this hormonal uh, uh, effect.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Adric. So in thinking about you know, some of these risk factors, oftentimes social determinants are also involved how do these social determinants of health impact women's long-term heart health? The risk factor for women
2: is different. We have things that are unique for us, like pregnancy, menopause. Um, uh, we add to this another layer, which is race, which is very important. It's documented that women from particular race are at a high risk of heart disease. We don't know exactly the full answer for why is that happening. But indigenous women in Canada, there are more risks of increasing cardiovascular disease. Women of South Asian and Afro-Caribbean, Hispanic or
1: East Asian women also are at the high risk of cardiovascular disease. So taking into account all of these differences that we were discussing and all of these, you know, social determinants, hormonal changes, what are researchers and physicians' roles in filling the knowledge gaps in female cardiovascular health?
2: There is a lot of positive changes that's happening now. In the last past uh, 10 years, people start recognizing this gap as we see women are dying unnecessarily here. So right now, for example, funding organizations like Heartland Stroke, CRHR are recognizing sex and gender in research proposal and they offer funding for particular research in this area. And also this evening subjects increasing number of women scientists involving in heart research, which improve understanding of heart disease and attract more female participants to join this project. So this is a lot of uh, positive changes, uh, but we still have a long road route to go, but at least we starting from somewhere. And also, in 2018, here in Canada, we established the Canadian Women's Heart Health Alliance, which is a network of medical experts and patient advocates with the vision of improving women's cardiovascular health across the lifespan. And I'm proudly the trainee representative and the Western Committee lead for World with Canada campaign. In this organization, we take a different uh, roots and shape to connect people for discrete cause. So we educate doctors, we educate public and even high school students about the unique aspect of women's heart health as knowledge is power. And every year we we celebrate the World Red Canada Day as a reminder for all Canadians and all women actually to be mindful, curious and proactive in management of their heart health. And from here, I would like to invite all People who hear us today, and invite you all to join the the campaign. And there's many ways to be able to participate in this campaign.
0: You can just uh, visit worldcanada.ca for more information. Well, that brings us to the end of our conversation today. Thank you so much, Dr. Adric, for joining us, and to our listeners for tuning in. Thank you so
2: much, Shafi and Sarah, for having me. I repeat my invitation to join the campaign,
0: and for women to themselves first we would also like to thank the ubc medicine learning network the university of british columbia and everyone that has donated to the women's health research cluster for their support of this project
1: if you want to help transform women's health on a global scale donate to the women's health research cluster today at
0: www.womenshealthresearch.ubc.ca if you liked the episode and want to hear more Be sure to subscribe on whichever platform you get your podcasts on to be notified when new episodes drop every second Wednesday of the month. And check out our show notes online to dig into the resources we talked about today. We also have other exciting women's health research being shared on our women's health blog and through events like the women's health seminar series. So make sure to head over to our website at womenshealthresearch.ubc.ca to learn more. Until next time, I'm Chavi Mehra, and I'm Sarah Williscraft. Thanks for listening. This has been a presentation of the UBC Medicine Learning Network.